I'm unapologetically fly. No wonder why, that's just my attitude. Yeah. Okay, hey, that's just my. Uh, 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 come on. Hi guys, welcome to Glitching the Code here on Iconic.com. I'm here with my good friend Richard Granham. We haven't spoken in about eight months, which is quite a long time for us, really. Um, you've been zipping and zooming and um, speeding all over the world. How has it been for you with these new mental mad things on? How, I'm assuming, I don't know, have you had your jab? Have you not had your jab? Are you going to have your jab? Are they trying to jab you? Nobody's got, if anybody tries to jab me, they'll get a right hook back. Um, no, I'm not getting jabbed. Uh, absolutely not at this point, given the way things have, have, have unfolded. So it was a weird eight months. I was, um, I was in England, then I was in Spain, then I was in Prague, then I was in Dominican, then I was in Florida, California, and then back to Prague. And one of the things that I noticed is um, we are not doing things the same way. And I think we're all using this word lockdown. So you'll get news from Australia or news from Canada. And we're using the term lockdown, but the lockdowns have not been the same globally, not at all. England was in, um, I wasn't here for very, very much of it, um, but a very, very strong lockdown, comparatively speaking. But the Czech Republic went into full flipping communism mode with curfews and everything was closed, including our hearts, minds and souls. I didn't hear music for three months outside of my own apartment. I remember the first day I did, there was a, there was a little bit of sun for 10 minutes and uh, some guy was playing uh, dance music from, from his car and I was like, my God, I nearly cried. I was like, this is, it's, it's been so fucking bleak, man. Really, it's been bleak. It's been difficult for yourself because you, you're kind of obviously living is, you're going off to Ibiza so again now at the end of the week and you have to zoom here and zoom there and on the women and you've always been like that since I've known you anyway I, mean, I think I've known I've been speaking to a good three or four years now and um, so for you how has it really affected you because for me I'm sitting in Norfolk I go we're filming in Wales next week for a series but we don't often go out of the country um how has it been for you how has it affected you just worry and like what am I going to do and how have you changed your way of working well it, it it didn't really affect me much because even going from central Europe to southern Europe and then to the Dominican Republic, which is, is a separate continent, and then to North America, which is a separate continent again. As long as you abided by the rules, there was no trouble. There was no problems. Nothing, nothing went wrong. Then when I tried to return to the EU after being in uh, the Dominican, um, I wasn't allowed to leave the airport in Holland at Schiphol, which was... I mean, and I just done like, we just done 15 hours of traveling. And they said, well, basically, um, you're not welcome in the country. As a Brit who's left the EU, you're, you're, not, you're not with us anymore. So they actually gave me a security team and escorted me back into the airport, which was fucking weird. And then I went back to, eventually we managed to, to work our way around that. And then I went to Prague and came back to the UK. And before I arrived in the UK, I'd heard these horror stories of eight-hour queues of passport control at Heathrow. So I switched and went to uh, Gatwick. And I could see why. Passport control has gone from total fucking indifference, and I mean indifference because I traveled a lot in 2020, to this horrible Stasi-style inquisition where I had 
every single form and medical document I needed. And she still kept me at passport control for nearly 10 minutes and handed my passport back to me with a disappointed look on her face and said, well, there's nothing I can do. I suppose I'll have to let you in. And I was like, you're supposed to let me in, you cunt. This is my fucking country. Yeah. How fucking dare you? Who's training you, you lowbrow moron? But they've been told, harass British citizens, punish them for being out of the country. And then I was gripped by uh, the, uh, what do you call them, the security staff who went through all my luggage and demanded to know where I'd been, why I was in Ibiza, and I shit you not, I was officially asked the question, did you have fun there? <laughs> and I said, no, I didn't have any fun. I just worked and stayed miserable. What, what kind of a world are we trying to create? This is, don't tell me this is about safety. These are the same people who left the airports open even after the India variant was declared for a, another two weeks. So don't tell me this is about safety. This is ideology. And this is about punishing people who don't toe the line. I'm done with this fucking country as far as, as, as following COVID. I'm, I'm absolutely done with the UK. It's, just, it's really difficult for, because you're not only getting that, that is part of, part of your job. Also, you, a lot of your you do is online, is YouTube. Um, it always was. Um, I don't know how that's changed in the last year or so. Um, I've been, basically can't upload to YouTube anymore. I've been banned off Twitter twice. Um, and I'm like relatively small. No one really listens to what I kind of say. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like a gateway into David's stuff. I understand my job role there. Um, but for you, how has that affected you? What content you put out? What do you think you can say? Because we have very similar views on this stuff. I mean, I like to think that we've, we're not morons and we understand that this stuff was kind of, maybe it was something, maybe it wasn't. But we were always quite aware that this was not what we were said. Me and you were together in Derby when we got the first lockdown, we were filming. Yeah, and we, yeah, we yeah. were two, a year ago, over a year ago, made a film about Crazy, it. Crazy, wasn't it? The first and time I shot for, uh, for David Icke and I think we went into lockdown that weekend as I yeah. was filming for, for David We were in Derby. In yeah, you were on crutches <laughs> and I was in a, a really dingy hotel in Derby and we did a podcast together. And, um, yeah. and how has it affected what content you put out? How are you trying to work around that? Because... For you, this, this is a lot more, I can get rid of my, my YouTube channel, no one, you know, I mean, but for you, it's, it's a different ball game. Well, it's, it's, it's eight years of work. Um, you know, I, I don't have uh, big qualifications in psychology. I don't have a master's or a PhD, but I have eight years of work and some 700 odd videos. And, you know, if anybody wanted to check me out, that's how they would do it. And there is a chance of it getting deleted, as you know, my Instagram um, channel without warning, with zero warnings, was uh, just deleted. Um, and there was nothing on there that was extreme. I didn't say, don't get a vaccine. I didn't say the virus doesn't exist. All of these things will get you triggered for medical misinformation. And you, you just can't say that. Um, as you know, I think that's what killed the David Icke interview on my YouTube channel, why they yeah. deleted it, was because he said, it's not actually being isolated. So we, we knew you couldn't say that, but there was nothing on that Instagram channel, nothing. It had 24,000 followers, and I worked out that I'd spent $24,000 uh, getting edited um, little videos for that Instagram channel. And I just didn't think that they could just delete you like that with no warning. And I, I messaged them, 50, uh, the, the last time I messaged them was four days ago, it was the 15th, and it was the last attempt. And I was like, that's it, it's done. So 
So the, 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 the walls are closing in as far as what you can and can't say online right now, which is, which is hilarious because these fucking morons, they can't stop the truth. Oh, um, we think it might have come from Wuhan lab. Do you? Wow. You think it might have come from the communist era, huge library of dangerous viruses. That's one of the biggest in Asia instead of the, the fucking food market 50 meters away. I'm just like, oh, I can't. I can't deal with this level of idiocy. It's just idiocy that we've fallen into. And if you, if you say anything against it, they'll throttle the, throttle the videos down, they'll strike the videos, and they will just delete you. And I can't afford to have that big YouTube channel deleted. I really can't. So how are you working around that going forward? I mean, because you, your stuff is a main view psychology, and now you've got a few other channels. I mean, you don't, you're not... Because I kind of forget that sometimes, because we talk about conspiracies all the time, me and you, although we haven't spoke for a while we kind of always have done, even in the background, when all we would, with mm. all the sort of stuff we were into. But it was never part of your, your work. It's never part of your channel. Mm. It still isn't now. And um, so mm. how are you kind of straying away from that? Because I still, obviously, I work, watch um, the um, this stuff that you do with Pierre still, and you kind of talk about it here and there, but in a very comedic, like, I think me and yeah. Gaz get away with it by, in the WhatsApp podcast we do, just because it's ridiculous, yeah. and we, just, we point out the silliness of it all. Is that a way yeah. around it? Are you finding a way around it, or are you just steering clear of it? Um, I think I think with the main channel, what I have to accept is like, um, even though it's a platform and I have strong opinions about this, uh, if I try to use it to get my voice heard on these issues, um, they will just shaft me. I mean, YouTube is a monopoly now. There, there are no alternatives. I've tried BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, Bumbletons, Bumfuck, and all the rest of it. It's all shite. All of the all the rest of the shite. YouTube is an amazing interface. Yeah. This is. This is the danger of, of unfettered capitalism. And I, I don't hate YouTube for this because they won the game. They're, they're doing the best job out there, bar none. I mean, Vimeo is, is close in terms of the, the technical ease of the interface and the nuance with which it can be used, but you just won't get seen. YouTube has been a bigger search engine than Google for over five years now. So the coverage here is huge. Um, so I think any decision made needs to account for that, but that main channel, uh, well, I, I'm not planning on, on uploading much new stuff there. I'm, I'm, I'm releasing new videos daily behind the paywall. I release free videos to my website hosted by Vimeo. Um, but I, I just, I really resent being working for YouTube I, I, because I don't consent to working for them. I think I don't mind that I can understand that they're a monopoly but they are now ideologically infected. They are deliberately um, silencing voices of dissent based on politics. And it is politics, it's not science. This has never been science. This has been a mass hysteria and uh, ideology from day one. We've never followed the fucking science on, on in my humble opinion, the United King Kingdom specifically, fails to follow the science again and again and again. So it, it rather incenses me when I hear people say, just do as you're told, follow the science, do what the scientists are. I'm like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> also, just do as you're told. I mean, uh, that straight away is like, no, no. For it away, well, no. Just do as you're told. But is there a battle between your head and your heart that's going on with you? Because with me, it's like, my heart says, fuck off everyone, you're all mental. But my head goes, yeah. still got to pay the mortgage. 
and then there's this, that's where they've kind of got us in, a, in, in my situation anyway. How about yeah, with you? No, that's, that's why I said that's, that's the risk of it, of it being a monopoly. People say just use an alternative. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not video creators. You're not in the position I'm in. You're not in the position Richard is in. Mm. You don't know what it's like until you've walked in our shoes. It's all very well, people coming on and dropping comments. Oh, just use Bumble. Just use fucking bleh. Just use bleh. Their shit. Listen, their shit video platforms. The only place to, to, that works properly and it, it works. YouTube is amazing. I'm not lying, am I, mate? YouTube's amazing. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Like the server strength and the, the upload speed and the streaming speed and the options and the visibility. You must be here. So because it's a monopoly, this is the problem of having a monopoly. What, what do you do? You've got, you got bills to pay. Um, I've been on YouTube since the beginning. I've been on YouTube doing self-defense videos since 2006. All of... Um, most of my business dealings in the, in the last uh, 15 years, 16 years now, have been intrinsically tied to YouTube. And I'm very grateful. I'm very, very grateful for what they've offered. Um, but no, you're right. It's a real problem. It's a real problem now because if you say the wrong... If, so you have a, you're, you're being given a choice. Either tell the truth or pay the mortgage, but you can't do both. Absolutely, yeah. And that's a real dichotomy for people like us who've got... In, got into some kind of like, like we have that extreme it's hard to say i had a new tooth put in can't speak properly um a real core of us wants to do wanted to do this because we didn't like people being bullied didn't like people people being taken advantage of or lied to or, mm. or, or manipulated mm. that's why I, you do what you do that's why i found your work originally when i was in a relationship with the borderline um mm. we didn't like people being taken advantage of so we do this work because we still don't like people taking advantage of. It's a conspiracy. That's all it really is. Manipulation, taking advantage of people. It's the same thing. We just hate people being taken advantage of and shit on. But now we're yeah. having to kind of pick our battles now. And it's like, really? I'm doing it with the only way I've found is through like ridiculous comedy to try and carry on. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, how about how about yourself? I mean, yeah, it's really, really hard because I can see you and... Pierre, I've got a really great thing going there, and that's a brand in itself. Is that something that you could kind of pursue and build upon on its on its own, a separate website, separate server? There's something planned in that sense because that's an avenue no, you I, could kind of go down. I think I think that that myself and Pierre have just accepted the lay of the land is the lay of the land. Like we met in 2019, and we're now in 2021. It's not even it's it's actually under two years since me and Pierre has, have wow. met, and the world has just dramatically changed in that time dramatically dramatically changed and it's not it's not a playground anymore this isn't a game this is really serious like the path that we're on the path the path that we're on it's already here look at the fucking reduction in our civil liberties like that we might let you hug each other again the fuck show me in in history where any government with a straight face even fucking Stalin didn't ban hugging, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Hitler didn't ban hugging. What the fuck is it? Yes, you may hug each other now, peasants. Fuck off. Yeah. Literally, go fuck yourselves. I mean, it's, it's such a mess. It is, it's such a mess. And, and the, the world has changed. So I think our attitude to it is we might get cancelled. The, the channel might get deleted. But that sort of proves the point then, doesn't it? Because you still have... 
a huge, I don't know whether it's the majority now, but certainly a huge weight of people who are like, oh, calm down. It's not that bad. Just do as you're told. It's all going to pass soon. And I'm like, this, this isn't all going to pass soon. What do you mean? This is, this is decades worth of damage done already. And if we don't, I would say, if we don't imminently get all of our civil liberties back, uh, you, you could just assume that they're not coming back and that come October, we'll lock down again because that's the script now. That's, that is the desired outcome. It's absolutely bizarre. I think when we first, in March, when we first saw this, I mean, you were in that hotel, we were like, it was almost like we were in a zombie apocalypse film. It felt like a film. Now it feels like mm. a fucking react, like the film's become a reality nightmare of just lengthened out chronic mental illness on a global scale. Mm. And I wonder, mm. and I'm sure you feel the same, you wander around the streets and uh, although there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of us that think the same, that's mm. not many when you think of 7.6 billion. And you're looking around and going, there's literally no one here I can talk to. Mm. Where, are, where are my tribe? And I said to Gareth, it's almost like we jumped off, we got off the UFO, we looked around mm. and went, fuck, don't like it here, turned around, the door was shut. And then we spent the rest mm-hmm. of our life trying to find our Richard Grannons and our Gareth Ikes of the world, trying to go, it's mental, isn't it? Do you feel like that? You're trying to find people that actually you can talk to? Um, I, I suppose so. I mean, I think it's important for, for people's mental health to connect. It's always gratifying you know, Gareth posted the video of the demonstration in London on Saturday. And it does, in, in a fairly bleak time, warm the cockles of one's heart to see people out in the street in huge numbers. I mean, ITV said it was hundreds. I don't know how <laughs> no, where they yeah. learned to fucking count. No, it was a good number of people. Um, and so that, that, is, that is gratifying. Uh, but but you know let's not beat around the bush. This is this is a very very psychologically tough time to be alive. It's very very hard, uh, and I don't I don't know what's next. But I know that this is not sustainable. Like what we're doing right now is just is just is is not sustainable. And I can't you know people say oh it's like the fall of Rome or. They try and, or they compare it to 1930s Germany. And I'm like, it's, it's really not. We're infected with a kind of broad scale idiocy mm. that is like a proud, arrogant, aggressive idiocy where people love being idiots. They're like, look at what a fucking moron I am. And I'm going to try and involve you in my idiocy. It needs other people to consent to it. The fall of Rome wasn't that. It was a, it was a systemic collapse because... It just got, I, I think most historians agree, it got too big. 1930s Germany was a mass psychosis, but it wasn't proud idiots. It was more a sort of deluded, extremely resentful, extremely embittered uh, utopianism. This is not, this is something else. This is something else. And, and, and I think people are waking up to the fact that it's intrinsically tied to the woke movement. There's some sort of weird erosion of, of people's capacity to think that go. So if you're woke, you're pro mask. If you're woke, you're pro lockdown. If you're woke and you're a radical leftist, this is incredibly confusing for me. You say obey the corporations and obey the government. And I'm like, when did obedience and doing what authoritarian hegemonies, hegemonic power structures 
say when did that become a part of radical leftism it's really strange the times we're living in and sometimes i'm listening to people talk and i'm like can you even hear yourself like this doesn't make sense it's not that i just don't agree with you it's like the sentence you said three sentences ago doesn't match with the sentence you're fucking saying (laughs) Yeah. yeah there's no cognitive um narrative to what they're thinking it's whatever's put in, they spit out. And it's it's really, really odd. And you do look at them and say, you're almost schizophrenic people. You are like schizophrenic, blurby mouth machines that just spit out and stand in line together and pop masks on. And uh, I don't understand where your thinking has gone. And, and it, it, But it's an extension or a real chronic version of what virtue signaling was started off as. It all is about how I look. And almost like it's a real-time filter of their stupidity. So they accepted stupidity. So you're all a bit, you know, right, but it's accepted now to be dumb. It, it's a kind of, um, yeah, I, I agree. It, it's, it's, a, it's, it's something, it's somewhere between uh, a moral panic. We're in the midst of a moral, or some people are in the midst of a moral panic. A mass psychosis and that mass psychosis is, is kind of an invasion by a hive mind of a really strange um, ideology, contradictory ideology that sits in people's heads like a parasite. And they all just parrot the same phrases. There's no argumentation there. There's no thought there. They're just, they say the same dumb shit. Maybe people are just really scared. And because they fucking shit themselves because they're cowards. They're just such dreadful, spineless, fucking risk-averse babies. Um, They're clinging to whatever structure they they possibly can. And in their panic, they're like, you know, beat up on anybody who who is against us. A a friend of mine on uh, Instagram, he sent me a a message the other day. Unfortunately, I couldn't read it because it wasn't readable in the UK. But apparently the Baltimore Sun ran an article that said what moral duty to what moral duty do we owe to the unvaccinated and i'm like oh so that's a definable group now the unvaccinated and then good people will ask well what is our ethical duty to people who didn't simply obey within the time period there what do we owe them maybe nothing maybe nothing at all and i'm just thinking how could you write that and then how could you fucking print that are you mental Hmm. are you mental you can't frame this in that way and and well i I just think it's unconscionable to to frame the uh, the whole narrative in that way it's so i'll just it's evil it's it's absolutely evil and i've said uh more loudly recently we are on a road to gulags and genocide at this point well you've said it's that really oh it is yeah absolutely and and it's all all a psychological game but you said it's our moral duty well hang on a minute our moral duty my morals are not your morals and this is collectivism again my morals are not your morals and your morals are not my morals. I get to set my own morals. You get to set your own morals. There is no our morals. There is no public health. 
there's individual health, there's individual morals mm. and individual values. There's this group mm. think of I think you think the same as I think we think. Mm. This is mm. our moral our moral duty. Your duty yeah. is not my duty. I'll decide what my duty yeah. is. I'll decide what my values is. And there is no R. There's me yeah. and you. Yes. you there's this whole group together of stick people to think one way. Well, it's a, that's where I would say it's, it's a kind of culture-bound collective narcissism. Um, and it's a Borg mentality. And it makes them feel good because they're part of a team. And then, then what will happen is they will want to win and they'll want the other team to lose. So the unvaccinated will be the designated target of um, the next revolution. Those who are not could be the designated target. And I think now we need to start calling out, we need to get past their version of reality. So their version of reality through woke ideology is this is all about race. And I'm like, nah, man. <laughs> nah, fam. That's not going to fly. No fucking way. This is about people who believe in individualism versus collectivism. Mm. This is about people who like to think for themselves and have control over their bodies and their space and their lives. And other idiots, and they are idiots, who believe that obedience is a virtue. Let me be very clear. Yeah. Obedience is not a virtue. There's nothing virtuous about just mindlessly doing what you're told you fucking turds how could you think that do you think are you capable of rational thought i mean it's i i i, I look at it and um i'm thinking okay like i the, the 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 upside of this might be that they become so patently absurd that their positions are just no longer tenable like the corporations will abandon it governments will abandon it and the silent majority of most of us who are reasonable, nice people who just want to go along to get along. Cause frankly, we have more important things to do with our day than Twitter wars. Mm. Um, actually start pushing back against this actively and saying, listen, you know, go do that in a university. If you want to do that in the student union of your local university, have at it. If you want to do it on public money, honestly, fine. Fuck it. I don't care, but don't, try and bring it into the mainstream. These are weird, fringe, oddball, loser ideologies. And the rest of it has no business being in the world of normal, functioning, mature adults who are trying to get on with their lives. It's infantilizing, isn't it? They are children. And you, this is something that, so much so bad. This, this is now. Kids who are six and seven now, 15 years time, they're not going to be able to think for themselves. It's not even going to be an option for them to think for themselves. One, because they've probably had a genetically modifying vaccine shoved in their assholes at um, eight years old. And they, who God knows what's going to happen in four years' time. I keep telling people, wait for four years. See what happens then. And also, this is genetically modified, so you're passing it on to your kids. So whatever you're passing on, you're passing on down the, down the genetic uh, That's if line. you can have kids. A lot that's of people won't be able to have kids. Absolutely. And we know there is a, um, we know that that's a massive part. Um, what are your kind of views on, on, I know that people say, I believe there's a cult. This is a cult, whether it's a cult. And I believe it's a cult. And we talk about Sabatine Frankists and all of this lot behind it. And that's obviously David's take on it, but there is evidence, obviously a lot of evidence for that. I believe there's a global cult that's been there for thousands of years. 
But I also believe now that they hide behind a global corporation that hides, that puts out the, obviously the illusion of choice of anything. Um, politics is all part of the global cult. Me, the media is the massive thing. If we could cut the mainstream media off and shut their mouths, which is the problem um, here, the media is the, the Achilles heel. Um, who do you think, do you think there's a cult behind this or do you think it's just a clusterfuck of, of just years of, a uh, hundred years worth of abuse? Um, culminated in this madness i think we've had we've had variations of this discussion before and i have with other people there's something more comforting about the idea that this is being done with intention by Mm. evil individuals because that means that the smart people with their hands on the wheel the more frightening idea for me is that this is just incidental and this is just it's, it's either broad-scale human incompetence because life is... For the, for the countries that have the most power in the world, like us, like America, like Canada, life has just been too easy for too long and we're disappearing off our own arseholes. I mean, the whole thing with pronouns, it, it's like, I'm just like, look, I'll call an individual whatever they want me to call them. I don't give a fuck. I don't, I don't care how you dress. If you have something intelligent to say and you're basically a kind human being who could teach me something, I'll talk to you. You can dress how you want. You can call yourself what you want. You can insist on being called whatever you want. But the obsession with policing pronouns, I think is we have to accept that only in very, 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 very fucking wealthy societies can you afford the time for that. Only in societies where there is a huge amount of free time can you you even have... You, you have to have time. You have to have money to have these kinds of absurd arguments and these, these, these fucking ridiculous conversations. And so is it that we got too rich and it's too good and we got too silly and too dumb? I mean, I don't know if you saw the Cummings um, sort of testimonial. I'm sure I you did. did. No, I, 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 I've a little bit here and there from what I've been posting on David's, but I, I, to be honest, I've tried to stay away from it for a little while because it was just doing my fucking Mate, it, it's, it sounds like a group of lads in a student house. <laughs> See, I'll have to he literally it. sits there and he says, well, Boris messaged me on our WhatsApp group. And I'm like... <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, it's not a good start, like, is it? what? Yeah. And I told Hancock he was fucking useless and he said this to me. And then, the, and then the dog was kicking off and then Boris's girlfriend was kicking off because the dog... And I was like, oh. So... In a sense, I would be more comfortable with the idea that there was a, a cabal who was working yeah. uh, uh, its evil magic on humanity. And I, I suppose there will be cabalistic elements, but we are going along with it. So it's like the question, I always ask the question at a sociological level about narcissism. Is the problem a pandemic of narcissism or is the problem a pandemic of codependency? Because... If, if one in every hundred people is a narcissist or five in every hundred people is a hardcore malignant narcissist, but 95% of people are not codependents, that means 95% of people tell them to fuck off. Yeah. But if we're all compliant, so if there was a cabal, but we weren't compliant, it wouldn't do them any good anyway. So there is, there is probably a deeper structural issue at play here. I think we function as codependents. We have in the Nietzschean sense all developed a kind of a, a slave morality based on shame and guilt unjustifiably. Um, and we, we are passive. We are consumers now and we're idiots. We are 
the idiots of history were the idiot generation of history. And um, that, whether there is intentionality or not, I think we probably would have to accept that that's a huge factor as well. For anyone who doesn't know what codependent means, and, and in the example that you give, codependent to a government, how would that work? What, what is that? It's the same idea. To, to, uh, absolutely, obedience is a virtue. It's almost like the slogan of the codependent narrative, obedience is a virtue. If I do it, so it would be somebody who is, who is entrained into submissive, passive obedience, the codependent mode of being in the world, and I consider myself a codependent by upbringing, is to um, um, self-negate, so you eradicate yourself so that you can more easily take on the needs of other people. Okay. It's got an entirely external locus of control, and that therefore manifests eventually as broad-scale resentment with people in positions of authority because you're letting yourself be, you know, to be um how should i put this gently uh, used should we say yeah used um and eventually you get a bit sore and then you want to up oh, you want an uprising you want you want to rebel and so you lash out resentfully against who well who did it white people did it right. okay well let's go after the whites then <laughs> So it's about or, or whoever. I mean, previously yeah. it was Jews. Previously it was the Kulaks, the um, the 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 wealthy farm owners or supposed wealthy farm owners in Russia and in Korea. You just designate a target. It's what Nietzsche calls ressentiment. So you said you're, you're you're codependent in that way, and I would say that I I would be definitely in the part and still now, and I think it's something I fall back into without even knowing it, which is which is um, frustrating. Does that, but me and you push back on things like this, is it something you have to work on consciously not to go, I'm not going along with that because the pool is to just think, oh, fuck it, just jab me with the vaccine, can't be asked with it, just to get along, to go along, to get along. Is it something you have to consciously put effort into? Yeah, and it, and it depends on what on where your values are. It depends on where your boundaries are. I mean, it's a big, uh, the, 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 the times we're living through are a big pressure test for humanity. Where are your boundaries? Even the people in charge are codependents. I would say that all of your cabinet ministers, they're all codependents as well. So who's, who's doing the, um, the exploitation? I think the codependency situation that we're in is so bad. We're basically exploiting ourselves at this point. We act like a species. I know you've got somebody, and I keep meaning to speak to them, who believes that uh, the, it's like the ancient astronaut theory, we were um, a species used as, as slaves. Yeah. to fulfill somebody else's agenda. And my God, we act like that. Whether it's literally true or it's just an interesting metaphor, because Eden was a prison, according to this guy. It wasn't was a happy Paul, place. Paul Wallace? I think so, the New Zealander, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Whether, it, whether it's literally true or not, we act that way. We have a slavey worldview. We have a slavey mentality. We, have a, we, we are sort of twitching cringing entities unless we train ourselves out of that um and i think i think there's comfort in it i think there's an infantile immature comfort in just abrogating your responsibility to be a person to ask for what you want to aggressively defend your boundaries because well the consequences are tough it's uncomfortable obedience is easy um uh, pushing back is is hard i can only imagine what lies, what decisions lie in, in my future in the next 
I wouldn't even say years. I would say in the next few months, it's going to become an imminent problem. Yeah. Where, where do you see yourself in the next year and a half? I mean, if you've got to make some tough decisions, if you can't travel because of um, the vaccine and all of this madness, I mean, what, what can you do? I mean, you'd have to change, I suppose, what you're doing. Is it, It's going to have a big effect, I assume. But, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know where, where you're sitting at. But, I mean these decisions aren't just like, oh, fuck it, I won't go to an holiday for you. They're, they're big decisions that will no. affect what you do as for a living. I, I mean, I'm supposed to do uh, some work in Florida in October. Um, DeSantis, the chap who is the king of Florida, uh, famously didn't do very much locking down at all and left a lot to his citizens. He said, this is the situation, wear masks, socially distance. I think he did put in some curfews, but... There were never, there was never a moment of true lockdown throughout the whole of Florida, and there will never be forced uh, vaccinations in Florida. So I will go back, and I will help DeSantis and Floridians secede from the United States, and then hopefully I will never be a citizen of the United States, but I will be a citizen of the independent kingdom of Florida. <laughs> Sounds like good. I might have to have an independent kingdom of Caster, to be honest. In my garden, because this is fucking mad. I think I'm the only one here that my partner, obviously, she won't have the vaccine, um, and I don't know anyone else. So people who keep saying they won't have it keep falling, which is disturbing me. People that know better keep falling and falling and falling, and that's disturbing. But the, because the, because to be fair to them, mate, the pressure, the social pressure is huge. I've had five texts from Christ knows the NHS and some GP unit who are telling me to go and get a vaccine. They're like, oh, we have a slot for you. Go get your vaccine. Not do you want one, go get it. And I'm like, all right. All my family have got it. Um, some of my family are very angry with me for not being vaccinated. And I was told that people like me are slowing down the economic recovery of the United Kingdom. And in my, I, didn't, I didn't get further into it. I was like, people like me have been saying since day one that you should never have locked down and slowed the economy down at all. Yeah. We should have shielded. We should have done what Sweden and Florida did. You shield the people who need shielding and you let the economy keep going. The economy only needs restarting because, you know, frightened cowards who are, who are in this risk aversion, safety obsessed cult can't stand the idea that one day they will die. They will, by the way, vaccinated or not, we will all die. And the, the disturbing thing was if you believe, as I believe, is that if you're genetically fucking around with your genetics, you possibly die quicker than I will. I would have thought, unless I get hit by well, a bus next, driven well, by a junk, junky, drugged up vaccine driver. The next, might... Yeah. The next 10 to 15 years will tell the tale, won't it? Because this is what I'm thinking, yeah. The, these, these, are the, these are the experimental subjects. Our friends and family are the experimental subjects. The reason a vaccine takes 10 years to 15 years on average to develop is because of the, the ext extensive testing that's usually required. It's like they don't understand. It's not a it's not a flu jab. They don't understand. It's, not, it's never been done in the history of humanity before. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, you guys first. Let's see what happens. Well, this is what I'm trying to explain to them is like whether this turns out, and I hope no one does get affected by it. We're not hoping people die. Is what I'm saying, and I think what you you're saying as well, as well <laughs> I'm generally is, I don't want to be as well. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I kind of I'm not up for any murder really. Genocide, especially, it's, that's a lot more murders. I I don't. Big murder. I, Big murders, whoppers. I just, <laughs> I, I don't want to be experimented on. You know? What you can do well, is you guys can play Russian roulette for five years and I'll come along when I know the chamber's empty. 
we'll do that yeah, yeah. It's well I, I i think i think like um at the moment given the data that we have uh, it's just it it just the, the means the the response has massively outweighed the threat and there's no doubt of that now yeah I mean, it, it was a very nasty thing. It's part of gain-of-function research, almost. They're going to find that out. We know that they were doing gain-of-function research at the Wuhan laboratory. They've been told twice by people from outside of China in the two years leading up to the release that they were being too slack and that their uh, safety measures were too weak. Um, so this is, a th this is a thing. This is a virus on steroids. But that's all it is. It's not the Black Death. It's not the bubonic plague. So what do you mean by, by gain of function, in case anyone doesn't understand that term? What does it mean in that context? Gain of function means that you take a virus, and it's, it's pretty controversial because there are tons of virologists and epidemiologists that say you, ne you don't need to do this. It's not, it's not worth the risk. And what's the risk? Well this <laughs> you know what we're witnessing right now yeah. so we're in a lab and we want to uh develop antivirals or vaccines for a virus and so you put the virus into lab test subjects but you it's not allowed to test on humans so we test on animals different animals are chosen for it um, bats are frequently used because they have a weirdly high body temperature that means that they can survive a huge viral load and it makes bats very dangerous because they carry a tremendous amount of viruses without dying so if the virus is too virulent the host dies not good for the virus not good for the host nobody wins in that one so with gain of function you want to make sure that as the virus is being tested on and played with Everything you do in science takes place over everything we do in human life, but everything you do in science takes place over a timeline. You don't want your test subjects to become immune, natural herd immunity, and you don't want the virus is going to mutate. You can't stop it. That's what viruses do. But normally what happens when a virus mutates is either its contagiousness goes down and or its virulence goes down. But you and I want to test on the virus as as it was on day one yeah. we don't want to find on day 200 the bats aren't getting sick anymore or the rodents aren't getting sick anymore because either the uh, virulence level has gone down or the contagion level goes down viruses mutate when they mutate they compromise in order to stay alive they don't want their hosts to die so with a zoonotic virus that goes from an animal to a human which was what they were originally claiming when it mutates let me get this the right way around with a zoonotic virus when it mutates it becomes more contagious and less virulent which was odd for me because when they were going oh the kent variant oh the brazil variant oh the indian variant i was like if if we're to believe the zoonotic story it doesn't matter what difference does it make if we're all ill with the disease but we're symptomatic and it doesn't yeah. kill anyone because the virulence has gone down. So gain of function is you try to juice up the virus. You keep it strong. You want it just as contagious and just as virulent. And I think they've known that since day one. I think that's why there's been such panic because we've never had uh, a juiced up virus um, in the environment before. But in terms of mortality, it actually hasn't turned out to be 
that much more of a mortal. It's a nasty fucker, no doubt. And it gives you strange side effects that most coronaviruses don't. Um, it's really nasty. And I'm, I'm absolutely, we should have taken it seriously. But it's not a killer. It just, it, it just isn't. It just doesn't kill people en masse. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, in, that's a, a former Liverpool bouncer's uh, uh, little exp- explanation of zoonotic viruses, epidemiology, and gain-of-function research. They were told at the Wuhan laboratory to stop. Fauci specifically continued to fund it. He wanted the gain-of-function research to continue because they want to be ahead of pandemics. They did all this to stop pandemics. They did all this to keep us safe and to develop antivirals, which is why many epidemiologists and virologists say, don't do it. It's not worth it because shit like this can happen. Yeah, there's so much going on, isn't there? With, I mean, obviously Fauci's a Jesuit in himself, so he'll have other beliefs there as well. You said that the, the virus compromised, uh, it'll compromise itself to stay alive. Yeah. That rings true with, with um, codependency then because aren't people compromising their values in the way they live to stay alive? So isn't there kind of like a correlation here? Comp- we're comp- people that are going along with this are compromising to stay alive, but in doing so, they're becoming less strong, less individual, less people, less human beings, and they're becoming weaker versions of themselves by trying to do the opposite. Does that make sense? It's, it's interesting the way that that's played out. Um, the metaphor works between the virus, codependency, and submission to authority. And the notion of gain of function, the notion of compromise, the notion of remaining in an unnatural way, just as equally virulent and just as equally contagious in a totally unnatural way, in a way that's completely artificial. And it makes me recently, more recently, and I mean in the last few days, it's brought me back to the simulation theory because I'm like, this is really strange the way this is playing out. <laughs> this yeah. is really strange the way this echo chamber is, is kind of unfolding in this way. Like, because, look, if, if we were cavemen or, or, or we lived in much more primitive times and we couldn't see this thing, we would never have known it existed. It would, you wouldn't know. There's no, you just, it's not like, um, I think it was the Black Death that you had huge, hideous uh, sorry, it was the bubonic plague. And it's called bubonic because buboes, which are boils, huge, would seep out all over. And you would look at somebody and go, I, I reckon you're sick. <laughs> and they'd just be covered in seeping wounds and terrible pain and they would die. You can't this get your shirt bad. on. You can't get your yeah. shirt on, mate, because that fucking big bump on your back, where'd that come from? You've got, you've got a boil there, you see. <laughs> and they, you know, back in the day, they would like apply wasps under hot glass and then light the glass. It was, oh, it, was, it was horrendous. But this is not that. We are so obsessed with safety and so obsessed with threat. I mean, this is a meme that you would have seen countless times. You know, you need a test to tell you you're ill. <laughs> you, you need this ineffective test because most people don't know they're ill. And most of us, you know, without wanting to sound callous, we don't know anybody who died of this because... Mm-hmm. Relative to the population, I think our death count in the UK stands currently at 135,000 people who died with or of COVID within 30 days of a a positive PCR test. So we don't even know how many people, and and we'll never know now, because the the medical procedure we used, which was unprecedented, meant that you burn the evidence as you go. 
So there's no, there's nothing is traceable anymore. We'll, we'll never know because doctors wrote notes that said, if you had a PCR test for the last 30 days and, and eventually your pneumonia took you or your cancer took you or you were registered as a COVID case. Okay, let's be generous. 135,000 people died, okay? Out of how many? 66 million. It's, uh, it's, sorry to be callous, but it's fractional. And uh, our excess deaths in, across the nation haven't really gone up. So what did we do all this for? This was never a real threat. This was, this was never, never a real threat. And the government knew that because on March the 19th, on my birthday in 2020, the government website downgraded the, as you know, because we discussed that, the, um, the severity of the disease. On the gov.uk website on March the 19th, they said this is no longer considered a high threat disease. Most, and the, the WHO confirmed it. They said the overwhelming majority of people, if they get symptoms, at all, the overwhelming majority will be asymptomatic. If you do get symptoms, it will feel like a severe flu that will last for about five to seven days. It's bizarre that we're still even talking about this a year and a bit on. We, we shouldn't be, mate. We shouldn't, we be, shouldn't be. We should have lifted every restriction by May, May 30th, two months later, because government moves slow. So you give them eight weeks and, and that's it. And you just say, listen, there is, there's a bug about if you have, if you're, um, what do they call it, immune system compromised, if you have a history with pneumonia, if you have lung cancer, if you, you stay inside and you mask and you wash your hands and you keep people around you, mask. absolutely. I don't want to see sick people die unnecessarily. Do I need to say that? I'm against death. <laughs> I'm against pain. Yeah. Duh. But we didn't need to do all this for this particular threat. It just is not a um a proportionate response in any sense and it's been done through laziness and incompetence because what they've done is they've just said well we'll just plunge the country into huge amounts of debt we'll spurt 30 billion pounds up the wall on a track and trace system that doesn't even work and i'm like i used to think this was 1984 this is fucking like the three stooges you guys yeah. are useless if this was a Nazi takeover, this would be the worst Nazi takeover the world has ever seen because they bumbled it. They've plunged us into as much debt, I found this out last week, as we were in, in the final quarter, in the final year of World War II. And that took us, uh, so it's commensurate to the input, to the income of the country, accounting for inflation. We went into as much debt last year as we did to respond to the threat of a full Nazi invasion in World War II. That's how much that, and I'm like, okay, London and Liverpool and various cities across the country didn't get blitzed. We haven't lost hundreds of thousands of soldiers to men wearing black hats with skulls on them. What the fuck are we doing? How do you justify this level of spending? Your, your kids, kids will be footing the bill for that. Yep. It's insane what we've done. Totally insane, totally unjustified. Yeah, it's, it's chronic madness. It's, it's chronic insanity. The only thing it reminds me of is that bit in Batman Returns where the Joker gets on telly, starts talking, and everybody in the street start laughing like the Joker. Mad. That's what's happened. It's chronic, chronic, deep-level, in-your-bones insanity. And everything now is a reaction to it. It's almost like first came COVID, then came humanity. Now. Mm. Um, yeah. Do you get that? I mean, that would be the last question. What is your take on that? Because I, I don't... 
the world that was before this doesn't exist anymore and it can, it can never happen again. It can never go back. So when, when you say first there was COVID, then there was humanity, what, what do you mean? I mean that the world, the people, people now, other than people like even us, because we're reacting, we think it's bollocks, most of it, but mm. we're not the same mm. human beings we were before this started. And I don't think humanity will ever be the same now. I think yeah, that's the, oh, yeah. reset, no. the psychological reset. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's absolutely true because it's an unprecedented moment in unprecedented moments in human history. Um, listen, boys and girls, watch out for the environmentalists now. They've been gathering data this whole time to show what the effect of putting the globe into lockdown has, has had on, on the environment. So um, there will be in our future, within the next seven years, there will be environmental-based lockdowns. Now that we've locked down once, and we've shown that we do it, we'll lock down again. And it could be for, it won't necessarily be for pandemics, it will be for um, carbon emissions and uh, environmental reasons. So absolutely there was a pre-COVID, what a wonderful, innocent garden of nonsense that was. That I was know, we used to complain about that, didn't we? We thought, oh, I wish I could, yeah. We just go, fucking, yeah. oh, the bloody Xylus, the bloody cult, uh, Illuminati. I'll, I'd yeah. take the Illuminati any day now. I'll go and have a beer with them. I don't drink, I haven't drunk for years, but like, I would go and have a Coke with them now. I'll go and have a coffee with them. Because right Absolutely. now, it's just, yeah. yeah. If, you could, if you could have your freedom back and, um, you know, I, I mean, honestly, I, I, for a while there, I thought it was a gear shift that would be like, um, there's a form of therapy where they, they cut off your blood supply temporarily to the injured part um, and you do movements with very little blood supply and then they release it so the hot, fresh blood gets to the injured part. And I was like, maybe this is just a way of rebooting capitalism and making sure that because we have we live with a Frankenstein economy that it sort of stumbles along for another three or four years. So you lock down, you constrict the blood flow and then people save their money and the little fish will die the big fish get bigger and then you open up and as we open up i mean the spending that people are going to do in the uk alone uh, after june the 21st is going to be obscene there's going to be a very wild back in alien summer so yeah absolutely there's a pre-covid and a post-covid we'll never go back we can't we we've we've broken it well, thanks, Richard. It's been great to catch up with you as always i miss you i want to it's be great me. to actually see you in the flesh um yeah soon. Good. um so we'll catch up when you're back in the country um but yeah thank you for giving me your time i know you're busy so where can people find your stuff rich uh they can go to my website which is spartanlifecoach.com and if they sign up to the mailing list there they'll get all the information what i'm up to on the regular on the regular thank you guys thank you for tuning in and uh, please share this about i'm going head over to richard's stuff which has been a good friend of mine for a few years so i really appreciate all the time he's put into helping me out over the years and it's great to speak to you rich I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. I'm unapologetically fly. I don't wonder why. That's just my attitude. Yeah. Okay, hey, that's just my. Uh, uh, uh.